Active FM presents Food for Thoughts with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. Radio is never better. What we're talking about, we're continuing with the series Fructify. And uh, the topic today, or the sermon today, is entitled, Set Today Up to be Fruitful. Set Today Up to be Fruitful. And, I tr- and trust me, you want to be fruitful. And one of the things that we've been looking at the last few weeks is that in order to be fruitful, it requires <clears throat> that you have your own personal precious encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And every single morning, you should be aiming to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why I'm really encouraging you with a life class and make sure that you faithfully carry out the life class, that you get onto the encounter at the end of the, the life class, because it's only when you have an encounter with God that you change. We looked at the examples of Jacob. We looked at the example of, of, of Saul who became Paul, Jacob who became, who became Israel. And they changed when they had an encounter. And last week we looked at the fact that there's five things that happen on an encounter. You, you get the assurance of your salvation. You also get that inner healing. That don't, don't sit there and act all tough like you don't need healing. Don't, don't be, act all tough and, and, and say, ah, rejection doesn't bother me. You lie like an incredible liar when you say that. It gets to everyone because there's a spiritual dimension. It causes a wound in your, in your inner man, in your spirit man. And so at the end of the day, the only thing that can heal that is the blood of Jesus. The only thing that can heal us from the wounds of rejection is the blood of Jesus. On the encounter, we receive deliverance where the chains are broken. You know those things, that those sins that we keep doing, they call them addictions. There are chains that are binding you to that. We spoke about that in detail last week. Those chains are broken on an encounter. And you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit where there's evidence you actually see evidence that someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, that you receive vision. The Apostle Paul, after three days of having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was blind. The Bible says that when Ananias came and prayed for him and laid hands on him, the scales fell off and God restored his sight. I want you to realize that in order to have an encounter with God, doesn't just mean you come on an encounter weekend. It's a time when you're alone with God, when it's just you and Him. Now, for this to be a fruitful year, it's imperative that you understand the work of the blood of Jesus. I want to say that at the outset. You conquer by the blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, you shall not conquer. With the blood of Jesus, you conquer. You conquer by the blood of Jesus. With the blood of Jesus, you are redeemed from the power of the enemy. You are healed. You are made whole. You are delivered from demons. You are empowered. And you are identified and you are marked by the blood of Jesus. No longer can the enemy come and define you by things that the world may be defining you by. You are defined. You are marked by the blood of Jesus. You are marked by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that has been given to you once you are saved and marks you as a child of God. And it's by that Spirit that you cry out, Abba, Father, or like we would say, Daddy. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you cry out to God like He's your daddy. By the blood of Jesus. I cannot say that enough. Without the blood of Jesus, you will not be fructified. Without the blood of Jesus, you will not be fruitful in your life. It's by the blood of Jesus that you are fruitful. But now what I want to say is that's on the spiritual side. 
Today, we're going to talk practically about the hours where you either set up your day or you smash your day and you broke it. And so, today we're going to look at the hours that will make us fruitful. And again, <clears throat> understand you want to be fruitful. We, we, I mean, think about it. If you're a peach tree and you're fruitful, you have an abundance. How much resource must you have to be able to be fruitful as a peach tree? A peach tree that doesn't have the resources it needs will not be fruitful. When a peach tree is not fruitful in terms of pr producing peaches, there's a problem. And so when you're fruitful and you're producing fruit, it means you have more than enough. It means that when you pray the prayer, the Lord is my shepherd. You pray Psalm 23 and you, you pray, I shall not want or I have everything I need. That you actually see that in your life. Now, in order to be fruitful, what are the hours that make you fruitful? And I'm going to encourage you to take notes today. What are the hours that make us fruitful? Well, in order to understand that, we need to first look at the life of Jesus. And Jesus, when you analyze his life, he used the early hours of the day to set up his day. Jesus' day, he didn't start planning it as he went through the day. He used the early hours of his day to set up his day. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 16, we say one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. He prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, who is named Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who's also, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. I want you to notice, there's, there were a whole lot of people that were following Jesus. But Jesus prays the whole night. And the next morning, what does he do? He chooses his twelve. Something as important as that. He only did after a night of prayer. And I want to encourage you. Are you making it a matter of prayer before you make a decision? What important decision is there in your life? And I want you to realize this. You will change your future before 10 a.m. every day. I want to say that again. You will change your future before 10 a.m. every day. And one of the things I tell people is that if you really want to conquer in your life, it starts with the blood of Jesus, but then once you've applied the blood of Jesus, you've also got to make the right decisions and set things up in your life to make sure that your day is going to happen the way it should. And I always like to tell people you've got to set up blocks of time. Blocks of time, and I want you to imagine everything I'm going to tell you now has been a block. And those blocks are things that have to happen in the day. And some days your, your, your schedule may be messed up. Your schedule may be broken up by the forces of life. You know, very similar to what happened a year ago. I'm not sure if you're aware, but if you're watching the situation, you would have been aware. But this past Friday, the 5th of March 2021, was an unwelcome anniversary. It was the one-year anniversary when the first COVID-19 case was reported in South Africa. Some fool went to Italy. They were a fool because by February we already knew Italy's got COVID-19. Don't go there. And people said, I've spent the money and I'm going to go. Thanks a lot, people. And one of them tested positive for COVID in Durban.
on the 5th of March 2020. So Friday was one year. One year. And um, it was a Thursday last year. So Saturday was the date we had our last mining event a year ago. So our, our whole schedule, everything got messed up, all of us, a year ago. And so the thing is, even if your schedule gets messed up, your block of time might be shifted around, but it's got to happen. So these blocks, and I'm going to give you like a skeleton, these blocks can be moved around based on your circumstances, but there's certain things you've got to do. And there's certain things you've got to do before 10 a.m. or you've lost your day. If you haven't got your day sorted out by 10 a.m., you've lost your day. And so every day, I want to encourage you to get up at 5 a.m. And I don't care what you do, you get up at 5 a.m. Now, some of you, in terms of what I'm going to say, you may need to get up at 4 a.m. But don't get up later. You get up at 5 a.m. And at 5 a.m., and I'm just giving suggested times. So when you look at these times, you may need to adjust them a little. Some of you, for example, the first time is at 5 a.m., you get up. But you get up before 5. You get yourself a cup of coffee and you pray for 25 minutes. If you cannot pray for 25 minutes, first of all, go and have a look at our prayer meetings that we did earlier this year. You will learn how to pray. You will learn how to pray for much more than 25 minutes. But maybe for some of you, if you just start praying for five minutes, it's going to be a stretch. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went over to an isolated place to pray. There's got to be a time, and I don't see where many of us are going to have time after early morning to be in an isolated place where we're alone. Not if you live in a city like Johannesburg, or like if you live in Midville. And so get up. Before five, you make yourself a coffee. Have a cup of coffee. If you don't drink coffee, tea. If you don't drink coffee or tea, water. Do something. We all drink water. Don't say you don't drink water. And you've got to get up and start moving around. Now what happens is, you may not be very happy when you first get up. But if you get up and then you sit down with the Word, by ten minutes past five, you will be happy. And so you get up in the morning, you sit up, you be awake, you be ready to, to make notes. And you pray with determination. You pray having planned what you're going to pray about. You pray accurately. And what I also want to say to you in terms of that, have a dream book. Right down there, I need to have a dream book. And in the dream, what are the dreams that you're living for now? Before you finalize those dreams, ask God, what is your will? Ask Him, what is your will? Now, how, how important is prayer? The Apostle Paul put it like this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. Praying always with all supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And pray for me that the utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. That in it I may be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
We need to be persistent in prayer. Because if we're persistent in prayer, it shows where our faith is. We need to pray in the spirit and not in the flesh. When you're creating a, a dream book, you, you create it in the spirit. And, and you, 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 you're in the spirit and now you get the dreams. What are God's dreams? And you write them down. Many of them will need miracles. We'll need God to come through with a miracle. And then you track your prayers. You'll be surprised how often God answers your prayers. Do not pray according to how you feel. Do not pray according to how you think. You need to, you need to pray the word of God. Not with your emotions, nor with your intellect. You pray with the spirit. You pray for the saints. You pray for the other people you are in the church. And you pray on every occasion at all time. In that time which we taught you how to pray, there's the, the model of the Lord's Prayer. We teach you that during the fast. We also taught you how to pray based on four psalms. You start off, sorry, yeah, four psalms. You start off with Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 gives you a revelation of the cross. cross. It gives you a revelation of what Jesus went through on the cross for you. And so you pray that. My, it starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's what Jesus quoted when he was dying on the cross. And you ask God as you're praying this to give you a revelation of Him dying on the cross that you experience it because then you're having an encounter with Him. Then you, after you've had that, that revelation of the cross, you now pray Psalm 23 because having a revelation of the cross means you know how much God loves you, that His Son would have gone through that for you. And now you're saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. How many different decisions are you going to make in life if you know that you know from Almighty God that you have everything that you need? And then you pray Psalm 51. Where you come in before God with your sin. And you're saying to God, and there's a, a verse there in that passage that says, Against you and you only have I sinned. And then once you've sorted out your sin, at the end of that, that, <clears throat> that chapter, it speaks about now. Having sorted out my sin with you, I will go out and I will tell people about you, about your life, and about how they too can receive forgiveness. And from there you move on to Psalm 91, which is about protection under the shadow of God. And you're saying, though a thousand may fall at my one side and ten thousand at my other, it shall not come near me. Which is what we were praying a year ago. Ephesians 6 verse 19 and 20, um, Paul says this, And pray also for me, that freedom of utterance may be given to me that I may be that I may open my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the good news of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in a coupling chain in prison pray that I may be able to declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to so I want you to understand Paul's in change Paul's in prison imagine if you or I were in jail what would we be praying for we'd be praying oh God free me oh God give me better food Oh God, give me a comfortable mattress. Oh God, I'm in prison. Give me a wife. Paul does not play, pray in the flesh. And he doesn't even deserve to be there. Now every person in prison says they don't deserve to be there. Paul doesn't say that. He prays for utterance. He prays for boldness. He prays for God to give him words to be a witness. He desires to speak accurately and he understands that what you speak is what you'll get. And that you're a prophet for your own life. What are you speaking? You are a prophet for your own life. What you are speaking shall come to pass in Jesus' name. What are you prophesying over your life? And then he says, pray for me that I will have boldness. Because it's a scary thing. You know, it's easy for you to say, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel telling people about Jesus is for me. You wimp. It's easy to say that. 
It's a tough thing to go out and to speak about Jesus. For many guys, it's much easier to hit someone and break their nose. Okay? It's much easier to go hit the heavyweight champion of the world, the heavyweight boxing champion. It's much easier to hit him and break his nose and knock him out than it is to go and tell that same guy about Jesus. You need boldness. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You're saying, ah, it's not for me. No, no, you're just too scared. You need boldness. You need the Holy Spirit. And so now you've prayed for 25 minutes. Then what do you do? You plan for 15 minutes. You plan once you've prayed. You plan once you're filled with the presence of God. And you know the Bible tells you how to plan. In Proverbs 16 verse 3, he says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. You plan after you've prayed. You see, your plans, you want your plans. I'm telling you now, you may not think this, but you want your plans to line up with the will of God. I promise you, you want your plans. Because God's plans are good. Your plans, you think they're good. You know, many times you're wrong. And so Psalm, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3, Commit your plans to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Does that not look like a promise to you? Commit your plans to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. They shall succeed. But now I want you to think about that word commit. What does commit mean? Oh, like we have commitments. And, oh, Lord, yes, my plans, yes, my list. Oh, Lord, now I'm committing it to you. Lord, you're going to make my plans happen. They will succeed. Yes. Yes. But there's the Hebrew word galal. And what does that mean? Well, it means roll your plans to the Lord or round your plans to the, to the Lord. Now, let, let me explain to you what that means. What this word means, it's something that is round or a second time around of time or event. Like dancing in a circle. So in other words, uh, here's, here's my plans and I'm dancing in a circle with my plans around God. And, and then it, it says, a, a, an added S exchange uh, of the K and the G, this is um, the Greek Golgotha. Golgotha, which is the cross. So Jesus' plan centered around the Father, Him going to the cross. Now, there's another, there's another description. It's a mound. It's, it's a mound or to pile something such as rocks, you know, out of the ground. In other words, when it says commit your plans, it's like making a mound. So you, you center your plans on God. Your plans are made around God. Your plans are made around the Word. Your plans are made around the Bible. Your plan, you, you, you plan around God. You plan around His will. You plan around His kingdom. And you plan your life around His plans for you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So, you're committing your plans to God, but the plans that you're committing to God are God's plans for you, and you know what they are, because when you were praying, you asked God to show you His will. And so what do you do? You take the newspaper in the one end, the things that are going on in the world around you, and you take the Bible in the other hand, and you plan. The Bible and the five priorities. Make up your plans. And then what do you do? You take these plans and you plan them onto your calendar. Now in the Lord of the Rings, they said one ring to rule them all. 
Well, I want to tell you one calendar to rule them all. Whatever calendar you're using at work, you, you put everything in there. You plan God. You plan your development. You plan your family. You plan your ministry. You plan your work because you're one person. You can have lots of calendars. That's fine, but <laughs> it's not going to work. There's only one you, and you've got to make sure that everything's on your calendar. If you're not planning, you're not strategic, you're not focused, you won't be accurate. And now you've made this calendar, now you've got to follow the calendar. It doesn't help just to make it. You know, sometimes you tell people to do this, they make the calendar and then they forget about it. That is a waste of time. Once you've made the calendar, you've got to follow the calendar. Now, just in, in terms of mine, my, my wife helps me with my, with my calendar. That's why if anyone wants time with me, they've got a book with her. So you plan around God. You put it on your calendar. You do it. And at the end of the day, you look at your calendar and how good were you at following it. That way you'll get better. You'll get more accurate. You're going to start achieving more. So now you've planned for 15 minutes. Now at 5.40 a.m., you read the Bible for 20 minutes. Why do you read the Bible? Why do you read the Word? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God will discern the thoughts of your heart. It will discern your motives. The Word of God will speak to you and will tell you you're wrong when you think you're right. Listen, if, 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 if you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to think you're right. Every single day, if you have a relationship with God, God's going to show you stuff you need to change. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know the power of the Word of God? Do you know how powerful it is? Do you know how much power it will show in your life? If you actually begin to read it, if you actually begin to take it in and you consume it, which means you accept it, <clears throat> you believe it. Vix was praying about faith earlier. Your faith is in it. Are you aware of the massive extent the Word of God will impact your life? If you will make the Word of God the authority of your life. Psalm 119 verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. You see, here's the thing. When we are full of the Word of God, we shine on the inside, and the darkness that comes from every insecurity and every fear that used to, be, that, that used to blind us begins to fade away. You know, your insecurities and your fears are things that are coming from the enemy. They're things that are coming from the world. They're things that are coming from your flesh, and they blind you. Deuteronomy speaks about the Word of God, and it says these words are to be on your heart. In other words, the very source of your life, where all the blood's flowing from, it needs to be tattooed on me. This means that these words from the Bible are the most important words above all else. And you know, if you go and read in Deuteronomy, it says, impress the Word of God on, the, on your children's mind. And that signifies that even in your home, if you've got children, you should be continually teaching them the Word. Remember, your plans revolve around God. So now it's 6 a.m. What do you do now? At 6 a.m., you do some sort of exercise activity and bath for 60 minutes. 
Even that time, you plan it. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have for God, and you are not your own? You, you are not your own. Your body doesn't belong to you. Don't say, it's my body. I can do what I want with, with my body. No, no, your body was bought at a price with the blood of Jesus. Your body doesn't belong to you. Your body's on loan to you. You need to look after it. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body doesn't belong to you. So when you say it's my body, no, no, not according to God. And between you and God, who do you think is going to be wrong? Now, obviously, do something to get some exercise. Um, obviously, if you're walking to work or you're riding a bicycle to work or to school, that's exercise. You can use that time. So, so that's just an example. At one point, for example, I used to be in a very stressful job in IT. And this exercise block was at 6.30 p.m. Because I needed something at the end of the day to put a wall between what had happened the day, the stresses, and the evening, which I'd be doing ministry. And so I'd go there and I'd kill myself on a spinning bicycle in a spinning class. Sweat like a pig. The floor would be wet all around me. And the stress was gone. So sometimes you might move that block today. And what I'm saying is these are blocks. You can move them around as, but, but you need to do it. Okay, I know many of you are young. But let me tell you something. One day you're not going to be young. And if you don't exercise, you'll find out you made a mistake. And then at 7 a.m., make maximum use of your travel time. If you're working from home, do ministry. Do ministry. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses teaching people everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, if you're taking public transport, this is a real chance to be a witness. If you're driving in your own car and if someone's driving with you, you can witness them. If not, you can listen and be witness too. You can listen to the sermon again because you need to know the sermon. Otherwise, it's not going to mean anything to you. This is not just for you to come and feel good here on Sunday. This sermon is being preached so that you can do it tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and every day of your life so that your life can change. You can follow up with disciples. You can call someone that you're guiding through the life class. You can speak to them for five to ten minutes about the devotion. You'll be amazed at what will happen. I know you think, ah, it's because you haven't done it. You're writing off what you don't know. That's like someone saying, yo, I went to Mauritius. Someone like, ah, I hate that place, but you've never been there. How do you know you hate Mauritius? You've never been there. You can call disciples. It's very easy in this hour, for example, if you're on a public transport, or even if you're working from home, to call five people. Very easy. You can do it like this. Or maybe you're at school, you can speak to five disciples or five people at school before school or, or, or your work even starts. And then at 8 o'clock, for the first 120 minutes in your day. Now, your day might start at 7, might start at 6 a.m., might start at 9 a.m., might start at, you know. But the first 120 minutes, you set up your day. If necessary to set up your day, you get there before start time. In John chapter 1, verse 8 and 2, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. 
at work. Jesus got an early start. Don't wait there and get there at one minute to whatever time you start. Get there before. Get your day sorted. Meetings, calendars, whatever. At school, your, your timetable, whatever. And plan it. Don't waste any time. I, I remember when I was studying for my degree, I would plan my lunchtime. And lunchtime was a meeting. I would go into one of the meeting rooms here at Standard Bank without a phone. People didn't know where I was. And I'd meet with myself with my studies. I used to use an hour a day. That was our past. I was in a hectic job. I didn't have time to study third year level stuff at university. This is what I studied. I would sit there, have a meeting with myself. I was entitled to the hour and I made sure I used it. It was planned. My day revolved. Sometimes it would shift. I'd normally take it from 1 to 2. Sometimes I'd take it from 11 to 12 or maybe even 1.30 to 2, just depending if something else, but on average it would be uh, 1 to 2. Jesus got an early start, and so you review your calendar, you plan every aspect of your day, including your, your traveling time. If you're at school or university, you review your, 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 your timetable and your break times, and you plan traveling between classes and your use of your break times. You plan it. Make sure that you're keeping God in mind the whole time. And... What did Jesus do then? He ran a meeting. <laughs> oh, people hate me when I say this. They hate me with a capital H. He ran a meeting before anyone else could. Notice Jesus is sitting there. He's there early, eh? And he starts teaching. Before anyone else is there, he got the crowd. You start a meeting. And you talk about what needs to happen. And if you're leading a team, you, you learn from Jesus. All right? You could be in school. Maybe you're a prefect. What do they call them now? RCL. Okay, whatever. The name is. doesn't matter. You start your day with a meeting. You keep minutes. You set deadlines. You review progress. And you, you have real tangible deliverables. Tangible means, like, this is tangible. This bottle of water. If I'm telling you about water, let me hide it. There's no bottle there. Water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. Amen? I, I can talk about water till I'm blue in the face, but where's the water? But if I bring the bottle out, this is tangible. It's something I can touch. So a deadline says this bottle must be here by 9 o'clock in the morning, say. That's a tangible deadline. And if you're, if you're leading a team, and if you're not doing that, you're not effective. I, I, some people say, ah, it's very legalistic. Yeah, you can say that, but you're not effective. I'll sit down with your team members. <laughs> And I'll ask them in front of you. No, no, I'll ask behind your back because they might be scared of you. And then I'll just write down what they say. And I'll say, person A said, who said that? I'm not telling you. Why? Because you'll fire them. Often if you're the boss, people will only say the truth if they, don't, if they know that you're not going to know that they said it. And that's 10 o'clock. <laughs> if you've written this down and you do this, if you haven't written it down, okay, well, luckily it's on YouTube. You can watch it later and write it down. But I'm telling you now, if you start setting your days, and each one of these, it's like a block. You set up the rest of your day. Notice I've taken all aspects. I've taken your relationship with God into account, your five priorities. I've taken 
you and how you need to work on developing yourself into account. I've taken your family into account because you need to plan that too. You need to plan your family into your day. Remember I said take the five priorities? Yeah, that's your family. Family, yeah. Your ministry is taken into account. Your work is taken into account. That's how you set your day up. If you're not doing this, that's why you sometimes frustrated enough. But I want to get back to this. So this can set up your day. But I, I just want to remind you, without the blood of Jesus, your eternity is not set up. And I want to ask you about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to tell you, even more important than setting up your day is your eternal destiny is at stake. You know, <clears throat> this is nice to help you with your life, but what's going to happen after you die? You know, Jesus died to sort that out. What's going to happen if you're sitting there thinking about a sin that you committed yesterday? Well, Jesus sorted that out by dying for you on the cross. Whatever, it doesn't matter how bad it is, he died for you. What does it mean if maybe you think, you know, my life doesn't have purpose? Well, Jesus died to give you a purpose. You give your life to him, he gives you a purpose. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you and you're thinking, nah, I don't feel ready. He's saying, you are ready. Now is the time for your salvation. Right now. When you answer this, you're saying, Lord, I want to commit to you right now. I can't wait. I can't wait until later because I want to live with you from this day forward. I want to make this commitment and know that you and I are tight like this from now on. Because it's especially important to me for the day when death comes knocking, when, when it's time for me to die. I want to know that I'm close to you and that my death won't affect me because I'm with you. Someone ask everyone, if you're here or at one of the sites, close your eyes. If you're in your home, close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you right now, that if you know you need to either give your life to Jesus for the first time, put your right hand on your heart right now and visualize Jesus. Visualize Him on the cross, dying for you. His blood being shed for you. And every drop of that blood completely destroys the work of the enemy in your life, completely destroys the work of sin in your life, whether it be your sin or the sin of others, doesn't matter, it's destroyed. The arguments are shredded apart. And the same Jesus who died for you over 2,000 years ago, His work stands for you now and for all. And the blood that He shed was the price that He paid. And it's the blood that will wash our sins away. And we're going to pray together now. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. Because I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me of all my rebellion. And today, Lord, I ask you that you wash me of all my sin. Please set me free from sickness and from any pain. I accept that my debt has been paid, that there is no outstanding balance, and that you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. 
I accept it by your blood. I'm justified. And you see me as if I've never sinned. And that by your blood, I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. And Lord, I'm willing to serve you today. And so I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just a joke.